Hi, I'm Len Epp from LeanPub, and in this LeanPub podcast, I'll be interviewing Mike Driscoll. Mike is a computer programmer who writes the popular blog, The Mouse vs. The Python, at blog.pythonlibrary.org. He has been programming in Python since 2006, and has been a technical reviewer for Pack Publishing since 2009. He also blogs occasionally for the Python Software Foundation. Mike is the author of three books available for sale on LeanPub, Python 101, Python 201, and WX Python Cookbook. Python 101 was written mostly for beginners learning how to program in Python, Python 3. Python 201 is the sequel to Python 101 and is meant primarily for intermediate level Python programmers. And WX Python Cookbook is full of great tips and tricks for using the WX Python toolkit. In this interview, we're going to talk about Mike's professional interests, his books, and his experience in self-publishing, which is really interesting. Um, So thank you, Mike, for being on the LeanPub podcast. Thank you very much, Lynn. Um, I usually like to start these interviews by asking people for their origin story. Um, so I was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling us how, about your path to becoming a programmer and the kind of work that you've done uh, since. Sure thing. Um, so when I was in high school, I decided that I really wanted to get into computer graphics. And then I realized that I wasn't that great at drawing. So I decided that instead I'd look into computer programming. And... The first two years were really rough. I took, I took computer science in a community college and didn't really get it. And then in my uh, third year, everything just started to click. And I was like, I can do this. This is going to rock. And then the dot-com uh, busted, and I couldn't find any work. So I started doing uh, uh, website work for an auction company and eventually got hired by local government to work in Python. And basically, I learned Python trial by fire. They said, figure it out or get fired, basically. And I learned it and excelled at it. And that's been my career ever since, is doing Python. Now, while I did do the Python, I started realizing that to help me um, cement it into my brain, I could start writing about it. So I was kind of using the blog software as kind of a brain dump at first to help me remember, this is how I did something in the past, and I don't want to forget that later on, which, you know, frequently happens if you don't use a library for a while. So that's how the blog started, and eventually my readers um, got to be so many and so numerous, and they just all wanted to know, hey, can you start turning these into books? And that's kind of how the the book writing got born. One thing I like to ask programmers um, in interviews is um, if you were starting out today, would you uh, get into it the same way that you did? For example, would you go to college and study computer science now, or would you start another way? Well, there's definitely pros and cons to each each path. Uh, I think you have a much more structured way of getting into programming if you go the college route, because you'll get the algorithms and the math that you need, most likely. On the other hand, if you take the path of learning the programming language itself, I think you'll better understand the language fairly quickly because you're learning it while you're using it. And most of the time in the classes that I took, you had a semester to work on really rather lame programs or projects that really didn't teach you a whole lot. It just kind of taught you the concepts and the syntax, but not how to actually use the language. So, like I said, there's pros and cons. You definitely need the algorithms if you're going to get into, like, an engineering degree. But, and you need the math for that, too. 
But if you want to learn a language, a lot of the time, I think just diving in and starting a couple of projects to figure out the language is probably quicker at picking up the language. And was there something that happened in your learning um, in that third year that something specific that happened that helped you to turn the corner? Or was it just a kind of gradual buildup of, of knowledge and experience? Well, I believe I was, I was taking a C++ class and something about the way that the, that the instructor taught it just kind of clicked with me. And I think the, the previous two years, all those concepts that I, and knowledge that I was learning Everything just kind of melded together, and I became, oh, this is what, this is how it all works, and I started understanding all those abstract concepts and how to apply them. And um, I was curious how your uh, blog became so popular. Was it organic growth? You know, it just started happening, or were you um, promoting it in various places? Um, originally, I believe it was just organic, like. Um, I ended up joining a place called uh, Planet Python, which is an aggregate for Python blogs. And people would occasionally tweet my art articles and po post on Reddit. But for the most part, I didn't really advertise that much. And then eventually I started adding, um, I think it's called uh, Tweet Feed, which is actually going out of business, unfortunately, this year. But they would automatically tweet my articles for me. So I didn't have to always remember to do that. But other than that, and a couple of postings to Hacker News, I don't do a whole lot of advertising myself. Okay, that's that's really interesting to know. Um, uh, you write in Python 101 near the beginning about how learning the basics isn't enough. And in your book description, you talk about how you, you sort of switch perhaps more quickly into intermediate level content than most beginner books might do that. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, about why learning the basics isn't enough. Sure. Um, so I've read a lot of Python books and a lot of programming books. And what I've noticed in a lot of these beginner books is you learn the syntax and then not how to apply it. So when I wrote my own book, I wanted to get past just the basics. I want to get into stuff that's actually kind of interesting, interesting to me and hopefully interesting to my readers. And the other thing that I noticed that was missing from a lot of these beginner books is that they don't tell you how to write a program and then distribute it. So if I wanted to write a module and distribute it to the rest of the Python community, most books don't tell you how to do that. Or if I want to create a program and turn it into an executable or an installer for Windows, for example, most books don't tell you how to do that either. So I decided I'm going to try to fill that gap and show how to get into Python uh, quickly Show them what kind of libraries there are already in the standard library so you don't have to install anything. And then show you how easy it is to install stuff, create your own modules, how to distribute them, and then create your own executables at the very end. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about what the WX Python Toolkit is and um, your involvement with that. Um, yeah. So the WX Python Toolkit is a cross-platform user interface. It's a wrapper around WX widgets, which is a C++ library, kind of like um, the Qt uh, toolkit. Um, the nice thing about WX Python is that it typically will take the native widgets on whatever OS it's running on and actually use those widgets instead of drawing uh, kind of a facsimile like uh, Qt does. So what you end up doing is you actually have the very native widget on each platform, and it looks correct 
and there was any kind of weird wonkiness you'll sometimes see in like TK Enter or QT. Um, I got involved in it because I was actually converting some VBA code that was on top of Excel and Access into WX Python. And so I started, I learned how to do that, that then, and I worked with the community a lot, and they helped me figure out how to use the, the toolkit. And then I just kind of gave back by helping out the other new people who wanted to use it as well. Yeah, helping out is um, is a is a theme in the work of yours that I found um, online. Um, uh, you've got um, screencasts, for example, for your book and videos, um, helping people out. And um, your first book, um, Python 101, which I believe you uh, published in 2014, uh, had a Kickstarter campaign associated with it. And I know you did for your subsequent books. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. What was your experience like um, starting a Kickstarter campaign for the first time? It was quite interesting. I'd never done that before, but I had supported some Kickstarter campaigns in the past. And it occurred to me that um, doing the Kickstarter campaign would be a good way to gauge whether or not my book's contents would interest other people. So I created a, a table of contents and posted that at, as part of my Kickstarter and explained all the different parts I was I was going to cover in each Kickstarter and why I thought they were important. Kind of as, like I just told you, why and why I wrote the first book the way I did, and people really responded to that. And by far, Python 101 brought in the most backers and the most funding of any of my projects. Um, I really enjoyed that process. I got to learn. I got to learn who my reader readers were, what they're interested in, and what kinds of things they might be interested in in the future. And they give me a. They, they're always giving me feedback through my blog or by email as well. Yeah, it's, um, I noticed that you, um, like, like many people who publish books on LeanPub, you have a section near the beginning of your book where you include your, an email address um, for people to contact you and you ask them for feedback. And so um, has that method worked for you for your books? Does it, do you think it's helped improve the content in your books? Uh, yes, I think so. The, most of the time, they don't contact me through that method. They actually contact me through my web, through my blog. Okay. I, I do get contacts through those uh, email addresses as well. And I've had several bug reports mentioned. Most of the time, they're just silly typos, but occasionally there'll be an example that I just didn't test well enough and I have to modify. But, you know, overall, it's been a really good way to connect with my readers. That's really fantastic. Um, I was wondering... Um... You mentioned in, I think, the video on Kickstarter for Python 101 and for 201 um, that you're going, you intended to um, do some advertising with some of the funds that you raised. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experience advertising your books. Well, for Python 101, I didn't get to do as much advertising as I wanted. But for uh, 201, I've done a lot of um, kind of soft advertising. So... I'll do promotions through my through my blog mostly, but also by sending out emails to my email list that I've gained over the years. And I've also been looking into trying to find some targeted ads I could use through Facebook or Twitter. But uh, my research has indicated that a lot of those methods don't return the investment very well. So you have to use like less than 10%, for example. So if you had $1,000 funding, you'd want to use maybe $100 to advertise to get any kind of return on investment using those methods. And that doesn't get you very much advertising. 
using that kind of <laughs> quote, uh, quotas or percentages. So I haven't done too much that way. Um, but I discovered something kind of interesting last week where I posted a promotion where I gave away my second book for free for 48 hours. And that brought in a lot of new readers. Yeah, we were, well, I was watching that um, happen. Um, you got something like 16,000 readers in just a couple of days. It was, it was really great to see. Um, and I wanted to ask you specifically about, about that. Was there a famous person who tweeted about it or was there something special that happened that you noticed? Well, I don't believe there's any famous people. Um, in fact, when I originally did this, I was just going to post it on Reddit and there's a, there's a Python subreddit on there. And so that's why I posted it. And I think that's where the majority of the people came from, from what little analytics I can gather through my previous public publishing websites. But it just kind of organically grew from there. And then I decided to also promote it on my blog. And I do get a lot of people going through my blog. So I think the two combinations brought in a lot of readers. Um, you also actually have... Um print versions of your books available, or at least of your first two books available. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind telling people how you went about making those print books. I believe there are for sale on Lulu and Amazon. Yes, that's correct. Um, so when I originally wrote my books, uh, like Python 101, I was using something other than LeanPub to create them. Basically a, a homebrewed script written in Python that would actually generate the books into PDFs and um, Mobi and EPUB versions. Well, eventually I needed to figure out a way to, to put the PDF up on Lulu to generate the book. And so I'd have to create versions of the book that didn't have the cover and sometimes other information because Lulu doesn't want the cover part as part of the PDF. You have to upload it separately. So I just stepped through that process with whatever book I was using and Occasionally, I'd have to generate the book and cut off the, the front end, basically, to get Lulu to process it, and then add it on on the back end. And overall, I think it's gone pretty well. Um, they have a global reach program, which allows you to publish through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and a bunch of other websites, as well as internationally. And they have really stringent rules, so if you don't put in the, the ISBN on the right page, they won't accept it. So there's lots of little gotchas that I didn't know were even there that I've had to head across and make sure that I always make sure I add it on if I recreate the book again. There's just little things you don't even think about. And what have your print book sales been like? Um, not that great, really. <laughs> the print books usually sell a handful a month. I probably get well, maybe 10 at the first, the 10 to 50, the first month a book is released and then you know two or three per month after that so the bulk of my sales are obviously electronic people want the digital versions or the kindle versions on amazon for example um you've both written um technical books and um you review them as well um and i was wondering i wanted to ask you what your opinion is about if you have one about uh trends that you see happening um in technical book publishing uh, going forward, where do you think the industry is going to be in 10 years? Um, the big trend I've noticed lately uh, is that the big companies like O'Reilly and A-Press are going for niche markets. So 
they're writing like really targeted books. So, for example, Riley put out a, a SQL Alchemy book, which is just for the SQL Alchemy library in Python. Or uh, Pact Publishing really does this a lot, where they have all kinds of books on uh, scientific computing, Pandas, Django. I think they even have a Turbo Gears book. They just have all kinds of little sub sub library books, and you don't normally see that. And well, like 10 years ago when I was first starting this this journey, you couldn't just go out and buy. I want a book on this little library that has 10,000 users, or you know whatever. And now you can. And that seems to be the trend because even O'Reilly's doing that, and some of the other big companies are starting to do that as well. Um, your books are available for sale um, through your through your blog on Gumroad, on Lulu, and Amazon, and also on LeanPub. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about um, why you decided to also publish on LeanPub. Um, I've seen other authors through Planet Python that have mentioned using LeanPub successfully. And I thought that opening up another channel of revenue would be worthwhile to try. So that was my main impetus to trying them. And so far, it's worked out pretty well. And I actually like the way that LeanPub um, generates the books. I think it looks a little bit more professional than my, my home-brewed version of generating the books. So I'm probably going to start cutting, cutting Gumroad out a little bit just because I think LeanPub does a better job of tracking tracking sales, and uh, the book quality seems to be a, a better quality, better, better than what I've done with, done myself. Um, one thing uh, that, one of uh, the techniques that our authors have for increasing sales is to make packages on LeanPub. So they sell their books along with their videos. Um, and that's that's a trend that I've seen. I think I think O'Reilly specifically bought a company. I think in Canada um, last year or the year before, which is all about making videos. Um, and I was wondering if there's a reason you haven't made a package on LeanPub with your screencasts yet, or if that's just something you're not interested in doing. Um, actually, I was going to do a package, but I didn't realize I could use uh, use the videos. I didn't think the screencast would go with. I thought it just. I thought LeanPub was mainly for, for books. I didn't think I could combine, the videos with the books. Oh, so that's our uh, our fault for not communicating well enough. Um, yeah, you can actually um, uh, create packages with. Uh, so you can sell the book along with, digital content. So that can be code samples, um, you know, it can be spreadsheets, um, and it can also be videos. And um, one of our very popular, data science books. Um, is sold in a in a package that's um, doing quite well, along with some very large video files um, that are that are really popular. Um, so yeah, this this um, uh, packaging together of text content and video content seems to be one thing that's becoming um, quite common in tech in the technical publishing space. Um, one thing that I noticed right away um, that you do very well on your books is you have fantastic covers. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you managed to get such great covers. I think you probably, I imagine you use some of the funds from your Kickstarter campaigns to hire graphic designers. Yes, basically. Um, from my Python 101 book, I actually 
funded the cover art myself beforehand. And I actually did that for Python 201 too. But basically I went and looked for someone who could draw uh, a design that was based on the idea of a mouse versus a Python, which is my blog title. And I took that idea and created this, this idea of a classroom for Python 101 where the mice would learn about Pythons. And the first guy I used was really great. I liked working with him and he did a good job. But then he ran through some some bad, uh, basically a bad year and couldn't do any more work for me. So I actually ended up having to find some other artists for my next two books. And I think that's actually kind of good because it gives them kind of a fresh look when you look at the different covers because each book is done by a different artist. So for Python 201, I, I hired a nice Russian lady to draw the, the art and she did a really good job and I've gotten lots of compliments about that. And she'll actually be doing, she's actually done her work for another book of mine that's not published yet that I'm looking forward to uh, announcing next year. And then the other lady I got for ABX Python Cookbook is from the Ukraine. And she also did a really good job. But as you can see, if you look at each of the covers, they're all very different in their styles. Yeah, I've got them all up on my screen right now and yeah they are very different but they share the quality of all being um excellent and i i was wondering if this was there a specific service that you used to find them um the first artist i i actually ended up uh, asking my brother because he is he knows a lot of artists and he just recommended this guy and for the other two i went on um, adobe's website and they run a program that um that you can look up artists on. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. All right, I found it. Um, the website was called Behance, and it's an Adobe affiliate. Basically, artists can go on there and show their work, and people can contact them through Behance and find out if they're available to uh, do commissions. Thanks for that. That's really useful, and I'm sure a lot of the self-published authors listening will be happy to hear about a source of high quality covers. I mean, it really does make such a huge difference I find um, for sales. Um, I guess my last question is, if there were one feature we could build for you or one thing we could fix or something we could improve or something that we've missed that you would like us to do on LeanPub, um, what would that be? Um, the one feature that I've noticed I need for my current book is image scaling. Um, I'm doing a lot of screenshots for the WX Python book, and um, doing it with restructured text, I can tell a program to rescale the image any way I want to, but there is there doesn't seem to be a way currently with LeanPub to actually scale it uh, programmatically. So I have to find a different way to do it, and the ways that I've tried so far haven't worked very well. So. Okay, well, thanks for that. I'll, I'll communicate that to the team. Um, images is something where um, it's an area where we know that there's more work we can do to improve things, and that'll be really good feedback. Um, well, thanks very much, Mike, um, for uh, doing this interview um, and for uh, also using LeanPub to um, publish your books. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you for creating such a wonderful service and for having me. Thanks.